Welcome to That Mom Life. I'm Sarah Jordan, and this week I am breaking the mold just a little bit because my guest has broken the mold. This is Mike Wicket, as I like to call just plain Wicket. He is a friend of mine who I met through radio, which if you don't know, radio is a really tiny industry where everyone knows everybody. I met his wife and then, of course, met him. Then we turned into wine drinking buddies in Napa, and here we are today. <laughs> Let's be honest. We met over wine. I mean, that's where I actually met you was Napa, wasn't it? I didn't. I don't think it I was. Met, yeah, we met in Napa, uh, going for an amazing weekend in one of the most beautiful parts of the country, and we bonded over wine, lots of wine. And then after that, we had more wine. So it was a great time to to get to know each other. And and I'm I can't believe it's been what four years, five it, years now. I think it's been five. Oh my lord, what's happened to us? <laughs> We're getting old, and now I'm thinking, you just mentioned we went on a trip. We went to wine country. We were with people. We were being jolly and merry. What is this? I mean, even without the pandemic going on, um, (laughs) we wouldn't be vacationing anywhere. You know, life is so different from when I first met you and got to know you and back in the days when you could go places <laughs> we don't do that anymore uh partly because of covid but partly because our life changed completely in the last couple of years yeah we went well i went in the last five years i've gone from one to three kids which is definitely a game changer and within the last two years you've gone from zero to three kids now yeah. Yeah. i should preface this by saying your wife lee was one of my first guests on my podcast and To summarize her story, in case people haven't listened yet, when I say that you have got three kids in under a year, that's two separate pregnancies. Mm -hmm. You guys went from zero to, you're above 100. (laughs) Zero to 60, but on steroids. So you and your wife actually are, I feel like, again, I need to rewind just a little bit more, rewind just a little bit more, which we did meet touring Napa drinking wine at one point the second time we went or was it the third time we went i don't remember i was even your third wheel (laughs) staying in your hotel room with you and lee i i found out about that i think at the airport when we were leaving kansas city (laughs) to go to 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 napa and she said oh by the way sarah's going to be staying with us and i'm like what are you talking about you mean in the same hotel and she said no in the same hotel room it's like oh okay this is interesting news to get but hey whatever we'll just more the merrier we'll pack it all in it's napa it's the happiest place on earth i apologize for being the third wheel leah's very quickly became one of my favorite radio people that i've ever met and again small industry you make friends that it doesn't matter where you're at in the country you're still in the same game you get it so we met and then i started following you and lee now you and lee actually did you guys meet in radio? Because you both are from radio. Yeah, we did. We actually we met. Uh, she was working at a music station in Milwaukee in the same building that I was working at. I was at a sports talk station, and uh, we just started becoming friends. And as for the matter of fact, she actually pulled me into her studio because she thought I'm going to have the sports talk guy help me with fantasy football. Well, little did she know I suck at fantasy football. So that was no help whatsoever. And then a couple of years down the road, one thing led to another. And then we just started to date and uh, we got engaged in 2016. We got married in 2017. And then the bottom dropped out. We uh, we had kids in 2019. We found out we were pregnant in 18 and then had 
all of our kids in 2019 and the very beginning of 2020. So, yeah, our, our relationship started in radio. It took us together from Milwaukee down to Kansas City. And now here we are in Des Moines. She's still in radio and I'm not. So that is the whole purpose of why I wanted to talk to you, because, again, I like when people break the molds, not that stay at home dads are necessarily a new age thing, but it's not something that I feel like is talked about nearly as prevalent, especially in the year of 2020. It's all about stay at home mom or the moms have to now stay home and the guys are going back to work. That's not the case for you. You guys made the choice for you to stay home because you guys even did a podcast about this, about your fertility journey. So then you had your daughter, Britain. It's Britain, right? Correct. Okay. So you had Britain and then... You guys had a lovely surprise. Now, I know Lee's side of the story. Again, three kids in one year's time. Two separate pregnancies. And I know you probably weeks. think counting on your fingers going, wait, what? Wait, what? But tell me what happened. <laughs> I mean, I know what happened, but. <laughs> well, we got the green light from the doctor. No, um, let's see. The, yeah, our first daughter was born. And, and as you mentioned, we struggled to get pregnant. Um, we had some fertility issues and, and we went through several different levels and we didn't get to the really, really, really expensive level of, IU, of IVF. But there were times where I would be injecting shots into Lee and I would and she would go to the, the go see the doctor, the fertility specialist with a jar of my inner, you know, in her boobs to stay Cleavage. warm. And yeah, exactly. She and told me about that. Yep. <laughs> that was real interesting. She'd be like, I'm going to take a shower. You do whatever you have to do and just make sure you keep it warm till I get out. So that's always a fun. That's a fun conversation to have with your wife. That's and so romantic. I know. We're going to tell Britain about that when she gets older. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, tell us tell us about when I was born. Well, it took a couple of magazines and some video. No. Um, so then Britain was, you know, we, we found out we were pregnant and it was actually, you know, the day her father passed away uh, shortly after our first anniversary of being married. And within the day or well, two days after and then that Thursday was his service was his funeral. I went home the following Friday from Des Moines back down to Kansas City and that's when Lee found out she was pregnant. I didn't know about it oh. for a couple of days later when she came home and she said, you know, I, I said, well, here's our, we didn't celebrate our anniversary, you know, like you normally would. We were in hospice with her father. And so I said, here's your anniversary gift. And I gave it to her and she said, well, I don't have yours here. It's not here yet, but I have this. And it was a picture on her phone of three positive pregnancy tests. This was the first for the first baby. And I couldn't, I was like, oh, so it worked and it was just something poetic, I guess, if that's the right word for it, that we I, lost I so. the father. And then in, in you know, just the, the same amount of time, we found out that some other beautiful soul was going to be coming into this planet and joining our family. And so Britain was born on January 23rd of the year 2019. Um, and we, you know, had no idea what we were doing like any other parent. And we were both still working. I was working at a radio station in Kansas city during the middle of the day. And Lee was programming a radio station there as well. And down the hall, we were again, working for the same company in the same building. And we, you know, after a couple of months of paternity and maternity leave, we found miss Pat. She was our tremendous caregiver and we would drop Britain off. And, and it was, it was great. It was perfect. It was on the way to work. It was affordable. You know, it was, it was what we really wanted. Well, a couple of months later, he didn't feel real well for a few days and we couldn't figure out why. And she goes upstairs and we're sitting there 
And, uh, you know, so I'm going to go lay down. I said, okay, I'm going to watch basketball. So I turn on an NBA game. I'm watching the, the Bucks and the Raptors and I crack open a beer. And she comes downstairs and she says, I think I know why I haven't been feeling this well. And this was in, this would have been probably May. So the baby was born in January. She has to get, you know, her parts back in order. And then you get the green light from the doctor. And I'm telling you, it was the first trip to the grocery store when we got everything we needed because then she comes down and says i think i'm pregnant and she's holding out a paper test in her hand and so i being the really good husband sarah i muted the tv i didn't turn it off because i didn't want to miss the game but i muted the television <laughs> so i could, could talk to my wife about this next life-changing event that we were going to have happen and so she sent me to the store to go buy a digital pregnancy test, a two pack of the digital ones and ice cream, which, you know, they go hand in hand. I mean, you understand. Sarah. They do. That makes sense. That's logical. So, you know, the tests are positive. They say, you know, you might take two minutes to, to see the positive sign. It took about 13 seconds before it lit up at like a Christmas tree. You're pregnant, you're pregnant, you're pregnant. And so we start to try to figure out what are we going to do now? And at this time, things are going well for me. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at a new contract and Lee is not a hundred percent sure she wants to stay in radio at this time. And, um, we, you know, just kind of go about it, trying to find out if it's going to be a boy or a girl. We get all the tests done and I pick the baby up from daycare one day and I walk in. And I know that she's gone to the doctor and I'm like, I don't need to go to the doctor this time to find out if it's a boy or a girl. I mean, I've been there. The baby's healthy. I've been to a couple of appointments already, which was fine. So she left work. She went and I come in and I got my bag and I'm carrying the baby and I open the door and there there's my wife holding up a phone as when you're filming something. And I'm and I don't have a clue why she's doing that. I'm like, it's either a boy or it's a girl, you know, whatever. And she hands me the ultrasound photo, the picture, and, and, and there it is in my hand. And I I set the baby down, I set the bag down, and I'm looking at it and, and I look up and there's two little blobs in the middle in the letter A and the letter B. And I look up and I say A and B. And she has this on video. This it's a tremendous video. A NB, and I repeat it about 15 times. And then I just fall to my knees and say, holy shit. <laughs> because now <laughs> our party, our party of three is about to become a party of five. And we're going to have twins, which changed the entire game for us, Sarah. But that's how I found out that Britain was going to have two siblings and we were going to have th uh, a total of three children. So, uh, when I first met you guys, yeah. I had one, and then you guys cut up to me in under a year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and now, so my third is just turned nine months old, and your second and third are, what, seven months Correct. old? Yes. Okay. So now, we're, I mean, like... I feel you on a lot of things, but I've never had to do two at once. Like when I found out and the crazy part is, like you said, as you said, you went to the grocery once, you got everything you need. Right. I don't know if that is the most amazing, miraculous tale I've ever heard or a horror story. <laughs> like, <laughs> from the standpoint of a woman, I know when I found out we were pregnant with the third, I was in complete shock, crying and said, my body. Lee didn't even have a chance to let her body breathe. <laughs> No, that, and, and that was the scariest part about the whole thing is, you know, and, and, and as a guy, the first time through, you know, 
when you when you're a, a guy with your wife or whatever and you don't know what is happening with her body i mean you know what's happening but you don't know what's happening you feel pretty helpless and then as the bigger that that women get with the baby inside you feel even more helpless because she can't i mean all you can do is help her up off the couch and roll her off the couch and carry everything and 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 tend to go get her ice cream Lee was, you know, it's funny because Lee was not that stereotypical Hollywood, I want pickles and ice cream at three o'clock in the morning. I think there was only once or twice she wanted me to go get her a blizzard from Dairy Queen or something. But other than that, I mean, she wasn't a bridezilla either. And I don't know if you were, Sarah, but she wasn't a bridezilla. She wasn't a cranky pregnant lady. She was pretty, pretty tolerable. She'll listen to this, right? She was pretty tolerable. Yeah. So, um, you know, she didn't have any of those weird craving things. The, when we found out we were pregnant the second time, after the initial shock wore off, and then I looked at our three-bedroom condo in, in suburban Kansas City that we had bought, and I had poured my heart and soul into getting paint and wallpaper and all this kind of stuff taken care of, uh, it was like, are you physically able to do this? Because I imagine, not being a doctor... I imagine the recovery process for a woman who just gave birth and it was the old fashioned way with lots of painkillers, but it was, it was, <laughs> it was the old fashioned way. I got to imagine that recovery time is more than just a couple of months, but she only had a couple of months before she found out she was pregnant again. And it brings us back to our meeting, uh, our meeting uh, standpoint, Sarah, she couldn't have wine again. She was sober for two straight years. Well, it's funny. Cause she's also a big, uh, uh, Tito's girl. Yeah, yes, she is. And Not I remember these days, these days the the budget means she's more of a Kirkland vodka lady. But you know, <laughs> you're not living that Costco life with your Kirkland mm. vodka. I mean, she told me that her Tito's tasted weird, and that was how she thought that she might be pregnant with the twins. I mean, twice. it is very. It is hard on your body. And the more times you do it, I can remember I was, I mean, I think my husband would agree. I'm a pretty tolerable pregnant lady, but, and I never had weird cravings. Ice cream was honestly sometimes a heartburn thing. And the somehow like the dairy helped me. I don't know. I'll justify it. But with the baby three, I kept asking the doctor, I'm like, why does this hurt? Why does this hurt? Is this normal? It felt like I had never been pregnant again or pregnant before. And she goes, let me put this simply. Your body's angry. Your body's angry with you. You've gotten older. Your body is tired. You've already had two babies. I'm just going to go ahead and say vaginally. And she was like, so your body is just, it hurts. So for Lee not to have that recovery time, I mean, it's just, it's so much. And so I, she is such a trooper and I loved following your all's journey just because of course you were so open about in vitro and fertility issues. And then bam, you're pregnant with twins naturally. And now you've got three kids so you guys you just mentioned kirkland and costco you went suburban you went out into suburbia and bought a house right well yeah we at this point we were living in we had moved from our downtown loft in downtown kansas city in an apartment that we loved and it was you know there were people our age we were drinking at the pool it was it was it was fantastic and it's a different kind of fantastic now but then once we found out we were pregnant with twins not only did Things have to change physically for her. But all of a sudden, we really needed to start thinking about life because we have no family in Kansas City. My family is all in the Detroit area. She's an Iowa girl. All of her family is in Des Moines, in the Des Moines area. Um, So everything kind of needed to take a big turn because when you have three and no family, 
it makes it really, really difficult. Like we're now in, in Iowa and I'll, I'll tell that story in a second, but I can't imagine not having her mother and her sister within a five or 15 minute drive to come help with things like, Hey, I have to go to the doctor today. Can you sit with the kids while they nap? Like that's, that's something that I, I didn't think about the first time through because we had our, our daycare provider. She, when I told our daycare provider, we were having twins. She looked at me and she said, if you use me, you're stupid because of how expensive it is. I mean, it was, you know, it was pretty good. It was 800 bucks a month, but three times that would have been, you know, about thirty, forty thousand dollars a year just in daycare. So all of a sudden we had to make this, this, make this choice and everything happens for a reason. The radio station that she started at back in the day, 20 years ago, needed a program director and it was in Des Moines and it's KIOA, a station, a longtime heritage radio station, people all over the city and the state grew up listening to, and they needed a program director and she was the one that was recommended for the job. And we thought this, this is happening for a reason. And so she actually, it was funny, she got pneumonia around or just before Labor Day with the, with the babies inside. Uh, she came downstairs and she said, my temperature is 104. I think I go somewhere. And I said, okay, let's go. And she said, no, 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 you, finish, you finished your fantasy football draft. I said, no, I, I think the draft can wait. I think that the draft can wait. I went up, I grabbed Britain. We got in the car. We went to the emergency room. It was the right move. It was either ER or urgent care. And, ER. And, and don't worry. I still drafted Patrick Mahomes sitting at a red light. Like everything was totally <laughs> fine in my world. But we go to the emergency room and her temperature is 102 and a half or something along those lines. And if it's hot for her, the, the temperature inside for the twins was what we were so very concerned about. She then was transferred after they got the temperature under control a little bit. We were in the ICU for several days, and that was terrifying. Um, and then we were in the women's center on the other side. I mean, this hospital could not have been better in Overland Park. They were absolutely tremendous. Um, but we spent eight days in the hospital, and while she's in the hospital, she's negotiating her new deal. <laughs> with the radio station in Des Moines. You want to talk about a trooper, three babies in a year, plus she decided that she was going to, we're going to change massive location stuff, negotiating in her, her hospital bed. Like my wife is a, uh, she's a queen, Sarah. She's a queen. She is one of those people that when you meet her, her energy, you can feel it. You can just immediately tell, like I could immediately tell, I like this girl. Like, this is somebody I need to be friends with. This is somebody that I look up to as a mentor. And I mean, she really has served as a friend and mentor to me ever since. So, I mean, this does not shock me that this is who she is. She is so Lee through and through, whether she with kids or without kids. And I mean, the fact that you guys met in radio, both as air personalities, I have heard so many horror stories about people dating people around the station because you're working together and you guys are like, the polar opposite of all of the horror star stories. And you mesh so well because it now I'm sure you guys are competitive with one another, but 
that doesn't seem to get in your way. Like it doesn't matter that, for instance, she's a program director, which if you don't know, that's the person running the station call on the shots and you're an air personality for a different station. Like it takes a special kind of guy not to be intimidated by a female like that. I it, It's so weird. And, and I know we're going to talk about being a stay at home dad. That's my job right now. But I've always thought, and I didn't realize this, like when Lee got to Kansas City, she was the first female program director ever in the city. And that that's mind blowing to, to me that she was the first or the second. And that's that that's crazy to me because I just don't understand this idea that anybody would be intimidated by a female program director. I understand that women may be intimidated by men who sit on their high horse and and, and you know, I think guys are intimidated by male program directors, too, depending upon the success and the arrogance and the, the, the hammer that they drop and the iron fist with which they rule. But I can't imagine looking at a female program director and saying, ah, whatever, I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to believe you. I mean, I joke that Lee's the boss at work and at home, <laughs> and I'm fully <laughs> with that. <laughs> I'm fine knowing that she's a manager. I mean, you know, our, our two stations were different. Our two audiences were different. Her radio station focused on women. My station focused mostly on men, although we dipped into women, but it was, it, it, it really wasn't that big of a competition. Yeah. I think when you put two radio personalities or any media personalities in the same relationship, you both have an understanding that you both have an ego and you're both competing and you both want to win. But I don't think it, it really has ever gotten in the way for, for me and my wife. And that's what I'm saying is like the truly extraordinary part. And Lee and I've talked about it. And again, this is why Lee and I bonded when her and I met, we were both female program directors and in the radio industry, there's just not enough female represented in those roles. And between you and between you and I, I was once told by a superior, you're too like women are too smart to be program directors. Like you should be doing something else. You don't want to be doing that job. That's what a guy should be doing. And I was like, what? <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't, I don't quite follow. Um, I think, I think so we are, we are learning on all levels. <laughs> we need more females in leadership roles. All right. From, yes. from, from your program directorship and my wife's program directorship to, I don't know, maybe up in the white house, we need more female leadership. Men have screwed things up for hundreds of years. All right. Look, we've had mostly male leaders since 1776 in this country. And where are we at right now? I, I, I don't understand the sexist idea that women can't lead. My wife leads well, me and I am fine with that. <laughs> Honestly, well, my husband's the exact same way. He always says, I got to talk to the boss. Yeah. And he's like, and he, he always says like, I run the household and that that's true. Um, am I type A? Well, of course I'm type A. I, you have to be to be a leader. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time, I can remember even going on other trips before, like for work. And again, people would be like, Oh, are you like the music director or, Oh, are you the co-host of this? And I was like, no, I am the program director. I have my own show and I've been in radio for 14 years. Like I understand that I'm young, but come on now. Yeah. But that is just something that is like so slowly changing. So I'm glad that Lee is one of the badasses that are helped pave in that road. Oh yeah. And because again, like I look up to her. So now she is in a role for that is changing the game. You guys fast forward. Now you have Britain, your daughter, and then your twins, you have a son and a daughter, which is so cool. 
that you now have boys and girls. Actually, now again, like I said, you guys fast forward and caught up with me. Now you and I both have two girls and a son. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what has it been like with all three kids home? So you now have a 18 month old and seven month olds. Is that right? That is correct. That is correct. Um, you know, once we made the decision, you know, we, we talked about it. We said, what do we want to do? What, 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 what are we going to do? We can't afford to just have one of us work to pay for daycare. You know, we, we can't do that or work to pay for an in-home nanny. We made the decision, um, when she got the opportunity, cause it was, there were three places we were, we would possibly move and raise these three kids, Des Moines, Detroit or Milwaukee, where we let, where we met. And we have a good foundation of friends who, if we ever needed anything, well, lo and behold, the Des Moines thing came up. So we sold our house. Lee actually moved up three months early with Britain. Uh, and I drove back and forth on weekends until the house sold. And then my last day was December 2nd. And I said, I'm going to be the stay at home father. I'm going to do, I'm going to put my career on hold. And I'm not going to brag, Sarah, but I've had success at all three radio stations I have worked at in my in my shows. I'm going to pause that for right now, because what's more important than my career is my family. And I'm going to stay at home with these three kids. And everybody told me, Mike, it's going to be really, really hard. And they were right. <laughs> they were 100% <laughs> right. Uh, so we sell the house. We buy a house like we closed and, and bought on the exact same day. Uh, my last day on a Friday. I packed stuff up. I went to work. The new buyers were coming into the house as I was leaving, and I dropped off the keys. And the the the, the moving truck was already up in Des Moines, and it was being unpacked by the time I got up to, to Des Moines that day. And then it was kind of a mad dash because Lee had been staying with her mother. Britton and Lee had been staying with her mother, and the babies were due the first week of January. We were hoping that baby tax break and baby tax break two would be born in 2019, so all three would be there. But it didn't work out that way. So I knew I had a couple of weeks to get the house unpacked, to get everything organized, because once the twins got here, that was going to be it. Because when you have your first baby, you're overwhelmed. But when you have your second and your third, in our case, you are really overwhelmed and you don't have time to do anything but pay attention to those kids. So they're born. So I've got the house. I'm unpacking boxes. I'm trying to get cars registered. You know, all the adult stuff that sucks. I'm trying to do all yeah. of that. Um, and, and luckily, Lee's mother, who is 75, is playing Grammy daycare as well as she can, keeping an eye on Britain. Babies are born on the, the 6th of January. So we've now had three babies in 50 weeks. Uh, oh, good God. I know that's that's it, Irish triplets is what people like to call it instead of Irish twins. And mm -hmm. then, you know, we and Lee had a cesarean. She had the C-section. So for the first 10 days or so, she can literally do nothing. She can't lift, a, a you know, a jug of milk. So I have to do everything. Now, I'm not working and she's on uh, maternity leave and she's using up all of her you know time. And we're just going, we're trying to figure this out because now we've got two that have to be woken up every so often to feed, you know, in the middle of the night. The oldest one is is starting to figure out, you know, her role in this life and, and how how she has been affected by the twins to me has been really interesting to watch. And, and we can talk more about that. But once Lee went back to work, once my real role began, that's when I realized that when everybody told me how hard this was going to be and I thought it was going to be hard, 
I had no idea. I had no idea how hard raising three babies is. Sarah, I change 30 to 35 diapers a day. Um, oh my God. Britain has started drinking out of a cup, like a normal with a straw. But before that, when she was still in the bottle, I made 17 bottles a day. Um, there is always someone crying. I mean, there are 10 hour days where someone is crying for the entire 10 hours. And now the, the youngest, the girl Miller, she's just started crawling the boy hasn't got to that point yet. So now I've got a walker and a crawler and an immobile one that I'm trying to keep track of. I have never, I have had, you know, odd jobs as a kid. I've been in radio for 20 years, Sarah. This is easily the hardest thing I have ever had to do in my entire life. I, I'm again, I have a nine month old and because of coronavirus, I've been, been fortunate enough to stay at home with the kids since March. Now I'm working at the same time and I am, I agree with you that family is everything. I'm, and I'm sure you probably know this, but I'm just knowing me. We built a multi-generational household about two years ago. So my parents live with us. And right around the time I found out I was pregnant with number three is around the time my parents decided to retire. So luckily we have help in the house. So I have a very false sense of how difficult it is. <laughs> um, and I've got three that are seven, five in nine months. So to change that many diapers, I mean, you are consistently doing something at all times. There is no way my nine month old is into everything. She's trying to eat everything off the floor. She's putting everything in her mouth. She's trying to touch every single outlet. And you're doing that with three. Now I know before Lee went on maternity leave, she said she had everything down to a schedule. You guys had a big bulletin board, a schedule of feedings. Is that working? It, it is. It keeps changing. You know, you, you kind of, and, and I, one of my biggest faults is I'm not always the most open to change. I like to get into a schedule and if the schedule works, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But the kids change, you know, like our oldest doesn't take the morning nap anymore. When I used to get two one-hour breaks, it was kind of cool. Now I don't get that morning break. Now it could be from 5.30 until, I call it halftime, <laughs> at 1 when everybody goes to sleep. Um, it could be 5.30 in the morning until 1 o'clock. And that that changed for the oldest one. The, the, the two youngest, you know, their schedule keeps changing. And of course, you're trying to keep them up a little bit longer and a little bit longer and a little yeah. bit longer. And at this point next year, I'm going to be under the assumption that the two twins will also not have their morning nap. Um, you know, you and I are recording this right now. And what is that halftime? And from usually one until two thirty is my only break in the day. Generally, one of the twins doesn't like me having a full 90 minute nap and then wakes the other twin up and then you start the process all over again. And as they get older, you know, with the whiteboard, you have to add different things. You have to make sure you change a diaper at specifically at this time. The twins are starting to eat, you know, uh, pureed pears and carrots and, and, and pureed food, the Gerber stuff. So you have to make sure that they're up at 2.30. The first one is eating uh, solid food by 2.40. The second one is eating solid food by 2.50. Then you have them downstairs. Bottles are made. You wake the big one up by 3 o'clock. You get her set for her snack. You throw on Daniel Tiger while Daniel Tiger is on or whatever 
you watch. Uh, then you begin the bottle feed process from 3.05 to 3.30. When you're done at 3.30, then the TV goes off, Britain comes out of the high chair, and then you have about an hour and a half until mom gets home. With, uh, hopefully you can survive without TV. Like Sarah, it is broken down by the minute, and I have to have it, or kids aren't going to eat. This isn't going to happen. The naps are important. And and you know how it is with babies. The schedules are the thing that matter the absolute most, because if you can get them to a certain point in the night, in the evening, you might actually get a full night's sleep. And there is nothing better than when you finally get babies to sleep through the night. And that's Hold on. are you sleeping at night? Yes. What? Oh, you didn't know this? Oh, we listen. I don't even know the name of the book. If I had it, it was like the on call mommies or mommies on call or something along those lines. We followed their schedule. And I knock on wood when I say this because I'm sure I'm jinxing it. But the twins, for the most part, over the last four weeks, three weeks, sleep from 6 p.m. until 6 a.m. I want to kick you just a <laughs> the, tiny bit. And the oldest, Britain, sleeps from 7 p.m. till it kind of varies, 5.30, 6, 6.30. This morning I rolled over, looked at the baby monitor. She was, we have a giant like pole lamp you get from Ikea. She was shaking that, reaching out of her crib. So the kids, I might be exhausted and I can't explain why. I think it's just because it's such a draining thing. We are getting, I mean, we go to bed about nine or 10. We are getting seven to eight hours of sleep a night. It's never been said that we are not getting sleep. It's just the fact that you don't really have off time from 530 until 7 p.m. And it's not like sitting in an office. You know, I, I, I no, don't, I'm not, I'm, I'm not degrading anyone who sits in an office for 10 hours a day or whatever, but you're picking up, you're putting up, Sarah, I do more stairs than you do. And I know you work out a lot, but I go up and down my stairs a ton, uh, when I take babies here and there and formula and dishes and meals and all these other things, you're just, it's nonstop from say 6 a.m. till 7 p.m. I used to work out. <laughs> Um, and then with the pandemic working full time from home since March, we went through a lot of furloughs. So now I'm a one man band in my running an entire department for five stations and picking up longer air shifts, more air shifts on more stations, uh, starting a podcast. Um, I, it's a, I agree with you. The exhaustion I have at the end of the day because I'm also now we just started virtual learning here. So mm. like virtual school. So now I'm keeping track of two kids that are in Google meets on and off for six hours a day on different schedules on top of my work schedule. And I, my brain is constantly in overload. And I keep telling my husband, it's like, I joke People are like, Oh, but you get to stay home in your PJs. And I'm like, no, but because sometimes I didn't have time to change. I didn't have time to change. And the mental exhaustion from it, it's so much. And my baby did sleep for a really long time. She was a good sleeper. And I don't know what has happened. She's teething. And mm -hmm. it's a lot. So, I mean, I'm on about four hours of sleep a day. And then I get up before the kids to start working. And then I start working. I stop to get all of them up and ready for school, feed the baby get everyone starting in school. And then I go back to recording my shows. Then I go put the baby down for a nap because I'm still breastfeeding. And then I'll go back to working and I'll work quieter while she's sleeping, get the kids in their classes. We all break for lunch. 
the schedule. Yep. You've yep, talked about it. Yep. 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 You got, you have I, to stay on it. Yes. And that's why when school was first starting, I was a mess because I was like, wait a second. We had a system. We had a schedule. Now what? What's the new schedule? And now I have two kids on a schedule. I'm on a schedule. Baby's on a schedule. How do we all get on the same schedule? It is, it is unlike anything else. And I mean, luckily I have been home. I've never been, been able to be around my babies before because I've always gone back to work after seven weeks. And so that's been amazing to be around my daughter. And again, breastfeeding, not having to pump, not dealing with any bottles. Just I'm here. I'm on tap. <laughs> um, yeah. But I mean, thankfully, even though obviously you didn't foresee any of this coming, how it could anyone, <laughs> but you're home and you're not having to juggle childcare or daycare being closed. And Lee went back to work, correct? I mean, yes, post maternity leave, but I mean, like even post or even during the pandemic, she went back to the office, right? Yes. Yeah. She went, um, her company did not keep everyone home like other radio companies have. She has been, I mean, she just had a COVID test today just to keep going, just to keep getting tested. She had a COVID test a couple hours ago and she'll get the results hopefully tomorrow. By the way, I texted her and I said, I'm doing a podcast with your husband and he's hilarious. And she said, don't you feed that ego. Mm, it goes back to the competition thing before. It goes back to that. Uh, now you have it is what has it been like not going to work do you speaking of ego do you feel a different sense of pride has it affected you not working in a traditional way i always joked when i was telling people um you know they said you know how are you going to feel doing this and not being on the air and I, you know aside from the joke of yeah it's going to be really hard but i got it um i always tell people or said to people the biggest hit is going to be my ego because you're on the air. I mean, we're not celebrities when we're radio hosts, but you're on the air and people listen to you. And if you're any good, you get a lot of people listening to you. It's been, it's been a big blow to my ego. I, I've, I've told this to Lee. I've had this conversation before. Um, I miss radio because after my family, I mean, Radio is the thing I love the most. And I wanted to be on the radio starting in the seventh grade. Um, I got my first job in the year 2000 uh, in Ann Arbor and then right out of college. And then in, you know, into Milwaukee and Kansas City, it's what I love to do. And not being on the air, especially, I mean, being a, a sports talk host for as long as I was, what a time to do sports talk. You have COVID hit. I mean, you, you have the, the season come, all the seasons come to a shutdown. Then you have the basketball season that's in a bubble and you have no ba college basketball tournament and baseball is trying to get through this and college football is, is a mess. Like a lot of people didn't want to do sports talk during this time. I was chomping at the bit to do sports talk at this time. I, I, I do miss doing radio and I've had some opportunities to fill in. There was a radio station in Milwaukee, not the one that I used to work at, but a rival station. They've had me fill in a couple of times remotely. I can do it from iHeart is the company. Uh, there's an iHeart building in downtown Des Moines, 15 minutes from me. I've built a studio where I'm talking to you right now where I, I've, I've been in. And then I've also filled in on the big news talk station here uh, three, three times. So I've had the opportunity radio wise to to jump back in a little bit, but there is no doubt in my mind that I I definitely miss being on the air daily, talking to people, interacting with people, and and that's something that I I I don't want to say I regret it because honestly, Sarah, there is no better decision I could have made for our family than to pause my career, 
uh, temporary, temporarily retire and take care of our kids. But it's one of those things where I always, especially like today, I had three screamers at the same time. Sometimes, Sarah, it's super fun when they all poop at the same time. And my house smells like crap, literally. But those are the moments when I'm like, oh, what have I done? But, <laughs> but, but 10 minutes later, everything is calmed down and the, the room is fumigated. And, and, I, and I say to myself, you know, you, you made the right choice. And, and I know that Lee... I, I I feel like Lee wonders if I hold this against her, you know, let's move to your hometown for your job. Um, we already moved to Kansas city for her job and it, things just fortunately worked out for me, but I don't, I, I don't at all. I've never, there's never going to be a day where I'm going to go to her and say, look what I did for you. You owe this to me. That's not it. I, I made the decision for our, for our kids, for our family. I have no idea how to be a dad, but being a stay-at-home dad is the most important job. Forget about any radio job or anything else I've ever done in my life. This is the most important job I will ever have. And it feels like it's been 20 years, but it's only been five months. <laughs> I mean, what you're doing is so selfless. And I'm sure in those moments when all three babies have pooped at the same time, where they're all screaming their heads off at the same time, or waking up from their naps early and you don't get your you time, that you might have that moment where you want to call Lee and be like, do you know what I'm doing right now? Do you realize how you get to go to work and like have two hands and you get to focus on one thing? I, I get that way because I get that way towards my husband sometimes, even though I'm like, it's not his fault. Obviously he needs to go to work. I just happen to be working from the home. It's hard not to think that way sometimes. Um, but do you, do you guys have an end point? Do you know how long you want to stay home? We, we we don't know. I mean, listen, if um, if an opportunity came up and I could go back to work, I mean, Lee, I will say this. Lee has made it abundantly clear. And, and, and this, I think, is the case for a lot of people, men and women. Lee's not the stay at home mom kind of kind of person. And I don't hold that against her. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's just a reality of what it is. So I don't think the roles could be reversed. I don't know if I'm a stay at home dad type, but you know what? Here we are. <laughs> um, I think if an opportunity came up for the both of us in another market or something came up um, and I could go back to work and we could find it. Because one of the reasons we're doing this, obviously, is money. I mean, I, doing the research, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 a year to have someone come into your home, be there all day and raise your kids. The other benefit is I get to help raise the kids. I get to have the bond over diapers. I get to have the food issues i get to see what makes my daughter tick see what makes my son tick see what makes the twins how they interact with the oldest but if an opportunity came up and financially it made sense we would go we would have that conversation in terms of right now how long do i want to do this um we're thinking we're thinking preschool or kindergarten or, or something along those lines and maybe a part-time nanny uh, i don't think this is something i'm going to do for the next 10 years I, I don't know. But again, I, I never thought I would have quit my job in Kansas City to move to Des Moines to be a stay-at-home dad with three kids in the first place. So who the hell knows what will happen two years from now, three years from now, five years from now. But right now is all I can think about. It's amazing what you're capable of when you're put in a position and you obviously are doing 
wonderful at it. And before I let you go, I obviously want you to plug your own podcast because <laughs> you have developed, um, you have developed your own podcast during this time, a way to still feel in touch to that industry, still hold a microphone in your hand, um, still get to chatter about whatever you want to chatter about. And people are listening. So what podcast have you started? I, uh, I actually, when, when we were making this, this decision, uh, a friend of ours in Milwaukee who runs a company called Edge Podcasting that we're, you know, still close with, uh, I said, well, what if I did a podcast about being a dad? And, you know, you're, you're right. Being a stay at home dad is not something that it, it's still a taboo topic. I mean, I still get called it is. all kinds of names. Like I told you, I filled in. I got called words on a text line that I probably shouldn't say on your podcast. I got called soy boy. I got called, you know, I got told I wasn't being very manly. Well, we see who wears the pants in your family. I'm like, grow up. Wow. There's, there's nothing more manly in my mind than being a stay at home dad. So I started a podcast. It's called Check Out My Dad Pod, uh, where I talk about my experiences of being a dad and I talk to other dads and not celebrity dads because i don't know any celebrity dads for the most part um regular guys you know like your neighbor down the street my friends in the radio industry people who can talk about what it's like being a father and uh it's it's been really it's been really successful so far and it's all over all the you know it's on spotify and apple and google and everywhere you find it it's called check out my dad pod and then spending so much time in wisconsin i did mornings on a sports talk station for 10 years i started a, a podcast called wicket on wisconsin where it's all about wisconsin sports the packers the brewers the bucks and then whatever else is going on so i have a bit of a a a, a sports touch still my, my my toe is still in the sports talk world a little bit and then on the other end it's more real worldy kind of conversations to have with other dads and it's someone told me it's a celebration of fatherhood sure i didn't come up with that but what the hell it sounds that sounds like something you'd put up on a on a banner <laughs> somewhere so it sounds like like entertainment weekly is going to give that one quote they pull out of an entire article mm -hmm. that's going to be it it's a celebration of fatherhood check out my dad pod it sounds like with your check out my dad pod it's very similar to what i'm trying to do even with moms and not not that i focus only on working moms it's a predominantly probably working moms um by the, by the, by the way i have no idea how anyone is a single parent Oh my God, no! I no way. I mm -mm. I mean, I am fortunate that my wife is in a position to provide for all of us. I have no clue how a single mother or a single father has the time, the energy, the financial resources to raise a kid and work 30, 40, 50 hours a week. That is mind blowing. And what I like about your podcast too, Sarah, you you speak with people in the moment. Like I like I, I have talked to a couple of uh, African-American fathers during the George Floyd protest movement, talking to dads who are teachers, trying to figure out what they're going to do with their kids and what they're doing with their kids at school. Like these are the issues that are important to talk about. They're real world issues. And they, they involve from your end, mothers and from my end, dads. Exactly. We really are doing linked <laughs> podcasts and doing such a similar thing. Didn't even realize all of that. But you're right. I I was like, I'm going to have this whole schedule. I'm going to have him scheduled out by six weeks. And then I re quickly realized, first of all, adjusting to podcasting from home. But then I, I needed to make them more timely, more topical. And obviously, I'm here in Louisville and we have Brianna Taylor. That's, mm -hmm. this, that's Louisville right now. So it was like, I need to be topical. I'm um, in the beginning of the quarantine. I was talking to teachers and how to do virtual learning. 
learning. Circle back four months later, teachers have figured out virtual learning in a whole new way. But now it's like, do I send my kid in person or virtually? Or if I am a working parent or a single parent, how do my kids do virtual learning while I'm at work? There's just this whole thing. So it's like, I've been trying to do the same thing. I'm trying to stay on top of it, flying by the seat of my pants sometimes. But it's like, it's so crucial to me to hear, like I had a principal, I had the communications director for the largest school system in the state of Kentucky. I'm like, I need to know you're a mom of three. What are you doing? How's the school system doing? Like, it's important to help people, I feel like, too. And simply by sharing their story and making people realize they're not alone and everyone's going through this stuff right now. So, um, Wicket, I can't call you Mike for some reason. You're just Wicket to me because that's how I was introduced to you. You, I respect you so much. And I told Lee uh, in February, pre-COVID, I think that's how we're going to start referencing things pre-COVID. <laughs> it, was, it was the era uh, before the pandemic. <laughs> era before the pandemic. I told Lee, I said, I want to talk to you now. And that was right before she went back to work. And I said, and then in about six months, I need to talk to Wicket and I need to know how this is going. So thank you for being on my podcast today. And I respect you so much for what you're doing for your family. And I know you're going to get back into radio. If not, you're, we obviously are understanding the digital age better than ever. And you're probably going to figure out how to do it at home in the hour break that you have during nap time and be just as successful. <laughs> and, and by the way, what made me so mad was every single time Lee got pregnant, it was right during Kentucky Derby weekend. So we could never come visit you and go to my very first Kentucky Derby. That's what, that's really what I look at my three children. I say, you kept me from going to Churchill Downs. Now is Derby is obviously happening on September 5th this year. But when we actually are back in derby mode, when we can go to parties and our kids are old enough that we can leave them, we're going to do it. And we're going to do it right. And you and Lee are coming to Louisville and you're going to do the Kentucky Derby the right way. And I am bound and determined to make that happen because we had plans and then there were babies and then there was a pandemic. Exactly. I mean, babies and pandemics and, and oh my, this is just, it's, it's ridiculous. So I'll see you at the Kentucky Derby 2037. I thank you so much for, uh, for having me on continued success to your podcast, your family. I see you on social media. It looks like you're slaying it as well. Thank you for, uh, for inviting me on today. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you soon. I ha now have to go put my baby to bed. She's screaming at the door. <laughs> have fun with that. Mine are still sleeping. So I have 25 minutes left. <laughs> go enjoy all of it. Go sit in silence. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Sarah. <laughs>